Welcome to TLC this morning. Uh, super excited that you are with us. Look, uh, can we just be real for a minute? This is kind of crazy, right? Uh, unprecedented. Um, we've got all kinds of different uh, things that we are trying to figure out right now. Uh, and so we just would love it if you would offer us a little bit of grace. What you experienced this week will, uh, Lord willing, be different next week. Uh, we recognize that we're probably in for uh, anywhere from two to four, maybe longer weeks of having to live stream our services. And so uh, we're actually going to uh, work on developing a better live stream system and service. Uh, but this all came together kind of at the last minute. So we're just super grateful that we have capabilities that we can do this and are super, super glad that you're with us. So uh, let me just say three quick things. All right. Um, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for gathering virtually together with us. Uh, some of you are watching our live stream on Vimeo. Some of you are watching us live on Facebook. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can interact with us. We've got folks that are actually sitting at computers would love to check in with you. Uh, we'd love it if you would actually uh, shoot a pic of your uh, crew, uh, assuming um, that you're not just all in you know, bedhead and PJs, which actually I'm sure a lot of you are, and I'm a little jealous that I don't get to do that, but. Uh, we're glad that you're hanging out with us. Uh, it does matter that we continue to gather, even if it's only virtual. Um, there is something about taking time uh, every single week uh, through the rhythm of our week to engage with God, to engage with one another, to kind of be spiritually united. And so uh, we're going to do that uh, for these next number of weeks, even if it means we have to do that not physically in person, uh, but in person in the Internet, on the Internet. So uh, the second thing I want to say is uh, thanks for trusting our government. Uh, look, I know that this is kind of a crazy time, and uh, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican or an independent. Um, we've got a, a Republican in the White House. We've got a Democrat uh, in the governor's uh, house in Michigan. Um, we're all trying to figure this out uh, and do the very best we can to keep one another safe and to care for the most vulnerable among us. Uh, so thanks for allowing us to trust our government. Uh, by uh, pausing our live services and starting to do everything online. Uh, let's work really hard uh, to continue to try to love uh, our, our neighbors, especially those uh, that maybe are more vulnerable than others. Uh, we want to slow the spread of this virus down as much as we possibly can. Uh, we want to continue to pray uh, for our government, for our elected officials, uh, for all the folks that are uh, doing the hard and difficult work of making decisions. So I uh, just want to say thanks for that. And then the last thing that I want to say uh, is simply uh, try to offer us a little bit of grace too. Um, this isn't a perfect setup. Uh, I don't love teaching to a camera. Uh, we've got a few folks that are actually here with us this morning. Uh, I invited our leadership team uh, to come and participate in, in this first live stream. Uh, so there's probably, I don't know, 20 of us that are here uh, and they're praying and uh, being open to what God has to say to them. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for everybody that's been helping us pull this all together. Uh, I am excited. Look, this isn't catching God by surprise. It's catching us by surprise, but it's not catching God by surprise. And God wants to speak to us. Like, he's not, like, thinking, oh, bummer, I, I guess I, I'm not going to be able to do any work for the next four weeks. Uh, no, God's like, hey, uh, this is where I do my best work. And so we have been praying that the Holy Spirit uh, would move in, in our hearts, um, teach us what he needs us to learn, uh, that he would give us the kind of uh, courage and boldness that we need to love on our neighbors and to care for those around us, to meet um, Christ's hands and feet. And we're excited to see what God's going to say uh, to you as well. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, 
excited about worshiping with you, spending some time in prayer together, as well as opening up the word to answer a couple of questions this morning. Uh, Jordan's going to lead us in a, a time of prayer and then a time of worship, and then I'll be back to ask a couple questions and see what God's word has to say about it. Thanks, God. Ah, friends. Um, so I just want to start off by uh, welcoming uh, our TLC family. You know, we know that a lot of you guys are actually uh, online right now. You're tuning in. Uh, you're paying attention to uh, what God's saying and what he's, uh, what he's up to. You've been worshiping with us. Uh, some of you uh, don't normally attend TLC, um, but because of just everything that's going on, uh, you're tuning in today. I just want to say that we're uh, really glad that you're here. Uh, here at TLC, I, I when I'm teaching, and, and all of us, we try not to use um, too much kind of what we would call Christianese, uh, and, and I'm going to try to really do that again today. Uh, but I think that there is a couple of questions uh, that God desires uh, to have asked and then to answer. So that's what I want to do this morning. I want to I want to really ask two questions. Uh, the first is a question that actually a friend asked me this past week. Uh, which was, is coronavirus a judgment from God? And then I want to ask the question, uh, have you ever seen what a person who has nothing to lose looks like? Fair enough? Now that first question, I'll admit, when my, uh, when my buddy asked me that, uh, is coronavirus a judgment from God? Uh, it took me by surprise a little bit, to be honest. I don't think that it's a bad question to ask, and, and if I'm being honest, I think my friend who asked the question uh, already had an answer. I don't think he was uh, simply asking it because he really wondered, but I actually think that it's a question that many of us are asking. Uh, I, I think that a lot of folks uh, around our country are asking. Now, maybe they're not asking it out loud. In, in fact, in some ways, maybe they're not even asking it Consciously, it's kind of a subconscious question. I think that there is a lot of similar questions. We just might replace the word coronavirus with something else, right? We might replace it with like uh, cancer, or that car accident, or that thing that happened to my child, or that thing that happened to my neighbor, or that thing that's out of my control. Uh, is this because God's angry? Have I done something wrong? Is God out to get me? And really what the question I think that we're truly asking is, um, what is God like? Right? What is God like? What's his character? Can he be trusted? Is he angry at, at me? Is, is maybe he angry at us? Jesus actually told a story to explain what God is like. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, I'd love you to open up to a passage in the Gospel of Luke. Um, we're going to be looking at a passage in the Gospel of Luke starting in chapter 15. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty well-known story, but I think Jesus, he gave this story, he shared this story because he wanted us to know what God was like. He wanted us to understand uh, God's character the kind of God that he is. And that will absolutely help answer our very first question this morning. We read in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. It says, Jesus continued. This is Jesus sharing the story. Jesus says, 
There was a man who had two sons. Uh, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now, we got to understand a couple of things that are happening in this story. Uh, first of all, uh, within Jewish culture, especially almost any place in the Near East and also often in the Far East, uh, there is uh, a shame, honor, understanding uh, within culture. And so for a son to come to his dad and say, Dad, uh, I want you to give me my share of the inheritance. And notice that the son didn't ask the question. He made a demand, right? He didn't say, would you? He just said, Dad, I want you to give me my share of the inheritance. What he's basically saying to his father is that I wish you were dead. I wish you were gone. In fact, would you pretend to be dead so that I can have what I believe is rightfully mine? Uh, this story of Jesus, which was like, we don't live in a shame honor culture here in America. Not in the same way that folks do in the Middle East or the Far East. But this would have been a shocking thing for Jesus even to say as a story. Our folks would have been like aghast, like, oh, no, he did not. No, he didn't. Right? They would have been like going crazy. Uh, but it says that the father divided his property between the sons. The son comes to him and says, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance. And the crazy thing is, is that the father actually does it. Now, the only way that the father can actually do this is to take the property, divide it, and then sell off what he needs to sell off to be able to give his son the money that he has. Because normally the inheritance would be the land, the, 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 the animals, the flocks. The father is absolutely humiliated in the eyes of his entire community. All for the son. Verse 13 says, Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Your boy goes out and has a banger every single night. He's going crazy. He's enjoying all the things that can be enjoyed. He was loving his St. Patty's Day, right? He was drinking the green beer. He was doing all the things, right? He wastes it all in wild living, verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. He lost it all, wasted it all, and now a famine has come in, a natural disaster, and the kid's in need. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't have a way to take care of himself. All the friends that used to like to hang out with him when he had all kinds of money and resources, all of a sudden, they're not around anymore. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. This would have been the absolute worst kind of job that a Jewish man could ever see. Pigs were, in their uh, culture and in the uh, Judaic religion, uh, considered unclean. Uh, certainly, uh, this kid had been living a very unclean life. Uh, so uh, it's fairly apropos, but still would have been just a dreadful thing. And as Jesus is sharing the story, you could have just seen people's faces as he's talking about this. Verse 16 says, uh, the kid, the son, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He's so broken, so down, he has nothing to eat. He's literally starving. He's wishing that he could eat 
the trash that's being fed to the pigs. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So the whole way back to his father's house, he's rehearsing this line over and over again. He's rehearsing the moment when he's going to see his dad. He's thinking about what his dad's going to say to him, the judgment that he knows he's going to experience. He's rehearsing over and over and over. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me as one of your hired servants. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. This is when the story starts to get really, really good. Jesus says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupts him. He says to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to party, celebrate. Like, this is crazy, completely unexpected. There's so much within this that I absolutely love that Jesus wanted us to understand about who God is, what God is like, what is his character like? What does God think about you and about I? I love it because as the son is walking home, rehearsing what he's going to say, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. It says that the father is scanning the horizon. Do you see that? While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Jesus says God is not a God who is sitting with his arms crossed, angry. God is a God who is scanning the horizon, looking for his wayward kids, hoping beyond hope that they will return for him. And the second that the father sees him, what does it say that the father does? It says he was filled with compassion, filled with love, and he ran to his son. Now, uh, this is something we don't get, right? Because we see uh, dudes, especially men, running today all the time. Like that's not. A, but in that culture, uh, running was not something that that a, a person of any substance or character would do. That it was kind of shocking that uh, an older man would would hike up his robes and start running. Jesus puts this little detail in there because he wants us to understand the kind of God that we all had the privilege of knowing. He wants us to know what God is actually like. The God who's scanning the horizon. And the second that he sees one of his kids turning back towards him, he hikes up his cloak and he starts to run. 
And I love it because the son uh, sees his father coming at that point. Dad's running. I like I can just imagine like dust getting kicked up behind him. He's got like this big smile on his face, but it's not just a smile. It's almost like smile slash tears of love starting to just stream down his cheeks. And, and the son starts to say what he's been rehearsing over and over again. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And just as he gets that last line out, before he can get the rest of it out, his dad just catches him. And before he can say, make me like one of your hired servants, I'm not worthy to, to be in the family anymore. I, I, just, I just need you to let me have a little something to eat. Let me just work for you. The dad starts to give orders. The dad says, Get a robe for my son. He says, get a ring and put a ring on his finger. Give him some sandals. My son who was lost has now been found. We're going to party today. Friends, that's what God is like. That's, that's what God is like. Jesus wanted us to understand that. And there's so many questions that I think are, are fair for us to ask, right? Did the father have the right to throw curses at his wayward son? Yeah. Yeah, the father had the right to do that. Did, did the father have the right to cut him out of the family and send him packing? Oh, absolutely. In fact, quite honestly, the son had already cut himself out of the family. The son had already said he wished that his dad was dead. The father had every right to say, yo, you know what? You already had your chance. You blew it. Get out of here. But that's not what the father did. Could he have continued to make the son suffer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he could have said, you think you're hungry now? Oh, I'll show you hungry. You're going to work for me, and I'm going to treat you terribly. He, he could have done that, but he doesn't. What does he do instead? The father looks for the son. The father is filled with compassion and love for the son. The father runs to the son. And the father forgives the son. He brings him back into the family. This, friends, is who God is. Uh, this is the story uh, that Jesus actually shared with us to help us understand what God is like. Now, I'm not saying that this is the whole of God's character. But I am saying that Jesus, who was God himself, who actually said, uh, I and the Father are one, who said, if you want to know what the Father looks like, just look at me. Jesus, God himself, said this, this is what God is like. He wanted us to understand the love and compassion that God has for us. The extent that God will go to find us, to bring us back into his family. The level of forgiveness God is willing to offer to anybody who will receive it. Now, I think that there's another set of questions, though, that are worth asking with regards to the story. Uh, in the story, uh, did the father cause the son's suffering? No. It wasn't the father that caused the son's suffering. It was the actions of the son. And I think we all understand this. We all get this. We all feel this, right? Because we've done so many things that wind up pulling us away from the blessing, from 
the blessings that come with relationship with God. Uh, another question we should ask is, did the father create the famine that hurt the son? The answer to this is also no. The father didn't create the famine that hurt the son. That was a natural outflow of our sin-broken world. Terrible things happen all the time. We're in the midst of one of them. Coronavirus is a pandemic globally. It's hitting everybody in all continents. We're still trying to figure out how to deal with it. We're doing the best that we know how. I don't believe God sent the coronavirus as a judgment. It is a natural outflow of our broken world that God so desperately desires to heal. And it shows in God's love for you and for I. Now, I also want to ask this, though. Did the father allow the suffering to bring his child back to him? Yeah. He didn't create the famine. But he allowed the famine to do a work in the son's life where the son finally realized that he couldn't do it all on his own. He couldn't make everything happy for himself. He needed the help of his father. And God often uses times like this to make us aware of the fact that we're not in control. That with all of our money, with all of our medicine, with all of our filling the blank, we still are not actually in control. Now, we often have the illusion of control. We're pretty good about that, especially in America, because of our resources and some wonderful things that we have access to. But it's in times like this that we realize we're not actually in control. And that's why we need a God that we can entrust ourselves to. And that's the last question. Did the son entrust himself to the father's care? And the answer is yes. He did. Uh, God says that he can use the good, the bad, the ugly, the hard things, the, the fun things, the terrible things, the treacherous things. To make us more like Jesus, to make us more into the image of Christ, to make us more like the kind of people that can experience the blessings that God always intended for us. He doesn't create them, but he can use them if we will allow them. Now, Jesus didn't just tell us uh, a cute story. Jesus actually went on to live this story to act it out for us. Uh, Jesus didn't just talk about a father who's looking for his son and running towards his son and forgiving his son. Jesus showed us when he allowed himself to go to the cross, to be murdered, to be tortured, to be crucified, to die in our place. You see, none of us are good enough to be able to pay for our sin, our debt that we owe to a holy God. And so Jesus goes to the cross and he dies in our place, proving that he wasn't just talking words, he was actually going to show it with his life. And that, friends, is a powerful, powerful invitation. Um, one of the last things Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross, we find in Luke chapter 23, verse 24. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Even as we are crucifying Jesus with malice in our hearts, Jesus is offering forgiveness to all of us that would be willing to accept it. Now, it's it's a broken world, not because God created it to be broken, uh, but because God created us with free will. Now, I'll be honest, uh, I think that that's crazy. 
Like if I was creating the world, I wouldn't create the world with free will. I wouldn't have given Adam and Eve a choice. Right? He already knew what they were going to do. Like this is crazy talk. Why are you going to give them a choice? The reason that God gives them a choice is because God knew that without choice, there could be no love. Sit in that for just a second. Without choice, there can be no love. God didn't want to create robots. God wanted to create us in his image, which meant that we had free will, we had volition, we had the ability to choose him or not to choose him. Love requires choice, and God chooses to love us. God chooses to love us every single day. Let that sink in for a second. God chooses to love us every single day. Um, God wants us to know. He wants us to know, friends, that that's the kind of God he is. And so maybe if you're sitting here uh, in your living room right now, maybe you're with a group of friends, maybe you're you're a kid that's watching this with your parents and and you want to experience the kind of relationship that the son wound up having with his father when he came home, then you can pray and invite Jesus into your life right now. It doesn't have to be anything wrong or flowery. It can just simply be Jesus. Like, I want you. I need you to come in and do something with my life. I know I'm not in control. I know I can't control it. I want to give it to you. And if you invite Jesus in, believing in his death and resurrection, then you can experience the closeness of that relationship. And friends, I'm not just talking about this. Like, I didn't, I wasn't born a pastor, okay? Like, I didn't come out of my mother's womb with a beard and a Bible. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not how it happened. It was actually quite a long time uh, where I didn't care much about Jesus. Yeah, I grew up around the church. I heard the stuff, but I know that what I'm telling you is true. Uh, not because I've read about it in books, but because I've experienced it in my own life. And I want that for you, like, more than anything else. There's another guy who actually uh, experienced what I experienced. Uh, his name was Saul. Uh, he used to hate Christians. Uh, in fact, he used to actually make uh, the lives of Christians a living hell. Like he was going around uh, having them beaten. Uh, some were even killed. He was throwing folks in jail. He thought he was doing God's work, and then he met Jesus one day. In fact, Jesus met him, and it absolutely radically transformed his life. You see, friends, uh, he understood the truth that we say here all the time. Jesus changes everything. And I know that that's real because Jesus has changed everything for me. Now, uh, the guy's name was Saul. It kind of got changed to Paul. Uh, he actually wrote a, a large portion of of our New Testament, uh, and he said this, and I think that this is really important. He wrote a letter to a church in the city of Philippi. We call it Philippians, and in the letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verse 21, uh, Paul said this. He says, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Uh, you ever wonder what a person who has nothing to lose looks like? That's it right there. That's what a person who has nothing to lose looks like. When they can say, yo, for me, if I live, it's going to be about Jesus. And if I die, woo, cool, kudos, awesome. Like,
Like, it's going to be better. Like, that's a gain for me. Like, that's a better thing. Look, you want to know why I'm not afraid to die? Because I know that my future is secure. You want to know why Paul could say, yo, for me to live is Christ, but to die is actually gain? Because he, he had experienced that relationship. It was secure. Now, I'm not saying I want to die. Trust me, I hope I live a long life. I hope you do too. But here's the reality. The Bible says God already has all of our days numbered. You, you can't add a day. You can't add an hour. You can't subtract a day. You can't subtract an hour. God already knows. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. Instead, we can actually live with courage, with faith, with love. That's actually what Paul did. Paul had some crazy stories. Let, let me read you what happened to Paul, okay? When he got crazy in love with Jesus, when Jesus transformed his life, when he turned back around and the Father brought him back in in forgiveness, made him part of the family again. Paul's like, yo, I'm playing with house money, right? Dude could do whatever he wanted. And, and he had a crazy life. In fact, if we flip over to 2 Corinthians, this is another letter that Paul wrote. It was to the church that was meeting in the city of Corinth. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Starting in verse 24, Paul said this. He's like, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. He talked about getting whipped. You ever been whipped? I have not. But when I was in college, I had two dudes that uh, played basketball at Cedarville. Uh, in fact, I think they both grew up in Grand Rapids. Uh, Chris and uh, Dan. And, and Chris and Dan, uh, they were crazy. They would always do these crazy things. Uh, uh, they had some of my funniest memories from college were watching these two. They were roommates, and uh, they would just uh, bet each other on different things. Like, all right, if I get to punch you once, then you get to punch me once. And uh, I saw them do this about like, like 10, 15 times, where finally one of them had such a huge goose egg on his shoulder that they finally had to stop. Well, one day, they gathered us all in, and they had said, okay, we decided that we're going to try to whip each other once. We had those old, uh, you ever see those old um, leather braided belts? Okay, they're like all braided together. Like that was really cool back in the 90s. All right, and so uh, they took out the leather braided belt and they took off their shirts. And it was awesome because Chris always made Dan go first. All right, Dan was not the smartest of the two. And so uh, Dan would go first and he would hit Chris pretty hard, but it wasn't like a full on hit. Whatever Dan did, Chris always made sure that he hit way harder. And uh, Chris whipped him with this belt and it literally left a, a mark of the braided belt on his back for a week and a half. That's how bad it was, all right? This is what Paul's talking about. This isn't just a braided belt. This is actually, uh, uh, sometimes it would be uh, a whip that actually had nine different pieces. Paul says, yo, I got whipped 39 times, minus one. And he's like, that happened to me. You know how many times I got whipped? That happened to me five different times. Paul's like, three times I was beaten with rocks. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. That's bad luck. <laughs> like, can we just acknowledge? Like, that's that's some bad. If you get shipwrecked once, that's bad luck. You get shipwrecked three times. All right, I'm not going on a boat with Paul. Just saying. I have been. Uh, he says, 
I spent a night at the, and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches, all the people that Paul loved. Why? Why did Paul do this? Why would Paul keep going through all that? You want to know why? Because Paul didn't have anything to lose. Paul didn't have anything to lose. Like he's like, yo, if I'm gonna live, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live for Jesus. I'm gonna do what Jesus did. I'm gonna love on people. I'm gonna care for them, no matter how I get treated, no matter what it costs, no matter what it brings into my life. I need to live with Jesus. And if they kill me, awesome. That's my gain. Now Paul didn't have a death wish. He wasn't trying to die. He wanted to live a full life. Why? Because he believed that God had work for him to do. But friends, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of what people are going to say about us, what people are going to do to us, what thing is going to happen to us. We can live as though somebody has nothing to fear. We can do that. We can live the same way as Paul. You want to know why Paul did? Flip over to, to one last verse. Chapter 12, verse 15. Just the first half of it, he says, So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. Yo, whatever I have, Corinthians, I'll spend it on you. Whatever life and energy I have in my bones, I will expend it on you. Paul had nothing to lose. And friends, we don't either. So I want to say to us as we close, what's our response? What's our response in this kind of craziness right now? What are we supposed to do? Uh, number one, we need to remember who God is. Our God is a God who comes near to us in times like this, who is looking out of the horizon for folks that are turning back towards him. When he sees that, he runs to them and forgives their sin. He calls you into his family. You just have to choose him, right? Love requires choice. Uh, the second thing is we need to remember who we are. We need to remember who we are. When we turn back to God and run into his arms and ask for his forgiveness, when we believe in Christ's death and resurrection, we become sons and daughters of the king, and then we don't have anything to fear. We're playing with house money. We got nothing to lose. So here's what we're going to do as a church. Okay, I want you to take your computers right now. All right? Uh, leave this tab open, but I want you to open up a new tab. Okay? I'm going to give you a second to do that. you got to do that on your phone, whatever it is. I want you to type in localchurchgr, localchurchgr.org, and then forward slash neighbor. Okay? Localchurchgr.org forward slash neighbor. And it's going to take you to a page that has a PDF of this. Y'all see it? I'm pulling it up right there. Boom. I think y'all can see it now. All right, now what this has on here is it simply says, hi, this is, and a blank for you to fill your name in. See, I got my name in there, Torn. From, and I've got my address in there, okay? Maybe you live in an apartment or you're in a dorm, you're like, you know, room, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if, it's your, if it's your address you wanna put in there, I've got my address, 4593, Little Harbor. And then it says, my church community wants to come alongside and care for our neighbors as best we can at this time. If there's something or someone that we can join you in prayer for, please let us know. If there's something that you need, 
uh, that you're in need of, food, toilet paper, etc. Our church would love to help. Friends, we got some toilet paper here, all right? Uh, we always have some supplies. Uh, we didn't go out and buy tons of supplies, but we have some. And so if somebody needs something like that, uh, we're not meeting. People ain't using our bathrooms right now, okay? So we would love to help out. Um, we've got all kinds of different things. In fact, because of your generosity, we've got about $30,000, all right, that we can spend to care for folks in our community during this time. We want to be generous. Uh, that's what we have. Paul said, I'll spend everything on you. I'll expend everything I have. And so we want to do that. So uh, we're going to ask you to literally take this, fill it out, and walk your neighborhood and give this out to folks that are your neighbors. Okay? There's also a little invite in there of uh, uh, when we gather online, uh, a link to that. And uh, now, now, here's the thing. We don't want us walking around if you're sick. Okay, we ain't trying to pass coronavirus leaflets. Okay, we're trying to pass Jesus leaflets, and what we want to do is care for our neighbors. So, put some Purell on them hands. Okay, all right, spray the thing down with Lysol before you hand it to them if you need to. All right, we want to care and love uh, our neighbors, and so we're doing everything we can to not spread the virus. And at the same time, God still wants us to be His hands and feet. We still need one another. We can't do this on our own. And so this is what we're going to ask you to do, all right? We're going to take these around, and we're going to care for our neighbors in our neighborhood. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what's coming up next, but I want to, I want to pray for us first. Uh, friends, we here at CLC, we want to be a people, a group of individuals, along with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ around who we are, that shows the world what a person who has nothing to lose looks like. We have a God who loves us and is with us even in the midst of all the craziness happening. And this has not taken him by surprise. And that's why we can trust and have faith and not give in to fear. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are with us now. God, you've been with us as we've been watching. God, I pray for those that maybe have prayed today to invite you into their life. God, I pray that they would experience the power and peace of your Holy Spirit. Father God, I pray that uh, as we seek to be your hands and feet, that you would give us wisdom. God, we want to be wise. Not only that, but God, we, we want to be loving to our neighbors. And God, we know that uh, what we can do to slow the spread of the virus uh, will literally save lives. And so, God, we, we want to be about that. We want to care. And God, don't let us fall into the crazy fear that seems to be starting to grip our nation. Because what fear often does for us, God, is it, it makes us turn inward, where we start worrying about self-preservation. God, we do not want to be people who are trying to self-preserve. We want to be people who are self-sacrificing. Because, Jesus, that's what you did. That's what you did, God, and that's why Paul did what he did. That's why I want to do what I have the privilege of doing. That's why we want to love others, because we have already experienced your love. We're not afraid to die. God, we don't have a death wish. You don't want that for us. You are always on the side of life. But God, our lives don't end when we die on this earth. That's just the end of the beginning. We will spend forever with you. 
And it's because of Jesus and his death and resurrection that we too have died and been resurrected with him. Thank you for that truth, that reality. We love you, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, friends. Hey, um, I want to talk uh, real briefly about what, what's coming up, okay? We kind of uh, pushed our upcoming series back a little bit, just, just for a week. Uh, next Sunday, Austin's going to be sharing uh, the first message in that series, Words That Perform. Super excited. We're going to work on a few things. We know that the audio stinks right now, okay? We get it. Uh, that's why we're actually investing a little bit into to, to a better system for next week. Um, we're going to have better audio, better video. We hope to have all that up and running and, and ready to go. So thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we still would encourage you, uh, assuming that uh, our government is saying that, that it's okay to do, uh, to, to host a viewing parties. Host a viewing party next Sunday at 10 o'clock with your neighbors. Host a viewing party with your local group. Uh, um, come, come together. We still need one another. Uh, we still need to engage with each other. Uh, we're going to do a couple of things uh, each week together. All right? Uh, we're going to uh, um, actually start to create some rhythms, even though it's online. And so in just a second, I'm going to close this. I'm going to ask us all to stand up, and we're actually going to do the Lord's Prayer together. Next week, we actually want to take communion together. You're like, yo, how am I going to take communion together? Let me tell you. Y'all is going to go out to the store sometime this week and get you some grape juice or some wine, all right, whatever you want. And you're going to get you some crackers or bread, whatever you want, and you're going to have it available. And next week, we're going to take communion together virtually, all right? That's going to be one of the things that we actually want to do on a consistent basis as a way to create some rhythms for us while we're not gathered together. The last is we want to actually uh, read, or excuse me, uh, recite the Lord's Prayer together. So uh, what I'm going to ask us to do uh, is stand. Uh, we're going to do that uh, at this time. It's going to be up on the screen uh, behind me, and uh, we're going to do that together. All right, let me scooch off to the side so I'm not in anybody's way. Please stand and recite this with me out loud in your homes. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, thanks so much for tuning in. Yo, we are going to get through this together. Uh, hey, take some time away from media this week. In fact, plan on taking some time away from media every day this week. Go for a walk, read a book, learn something new, create something beautiful, uh, play some games, dance with your family, and laugh, okay? Let's laugh together. In fact, if you're like, yo, what can I laugh about? Here's what you can laugh about. Go to Netflix and look up Nate Bargatze, the Tennessee kid. Watch that together, and I promise you'll be laughing. Look, friends, we're going to get through this. God is with us, even in the midst of this craziness, and I can't wait to be back together with you all again next Sunday at 10. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon.